Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Learning Curve. I am your host, Julia McLeod. Before we begin, please join me in prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, enable me to teach with wisdom, for I help to shape the mind. Equip me to teach with truth, for I help to shape the conscience. Encourage me to teach with vision, for I help to shape the future. And empower me to teach with love, for I help to shape the world. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that we are on the traditional land of Treaty 6 and Métis Nation of Alberta Region 4, in which many Indigenous peoples have come before us to call home. We acknowledge the contributions that the Indigenous peoples have and continue to provide to help shape our past, present, and future. We commit to restoring and honoring the truth and reconciliation calls to action and believe that together our collective communities can build a stronger understanding of all people who dwell on this land and who call it home. We are recording from our studio at Lumen Christi, our common home in Edmonton Catholic Schools. Today's episode is one of a two-part series called A School-Wide Approach to Assessment. In this episode, we will hear from a principal and a teacher about teacher clarity and how they're implementing it across the school. So the agenda for the episode begins with TSA, Tricky Situations and Assessment, with Nicole Lafreniere, our Director of Curriculum and Assessment. In this segment, Nicole will help us navigate and land on solutions to difficult situations in assessment. Our interview for Part 1 is with Nicole Tomlinson, the Principal at Bishop Savern School. We'll follow that up with our segment, We're Still Doing That, with Deputy Superintendent Tim Cusack, where we will explore outdated assessment practices, and Tim will offer us solutions to help us move forward. That's the plan for today. Let's jump in. for the things that matter? I think one of the things, whenever we're faced with a time crunch in schools, I think one of the things that we have to really think about is what is what is the big, what are the big rocks? So for example, for us next year, one of the big rocks that we're going to be focusing on is UDL. So that means that everyone needs a base level of knowledge around that, but it also means we have to bring it into everything that we do. So if something is going to be given importance, then we need to think about, okay, how am I going to make that as important as perhaps some of these other things that are a bit more time bound? What are the big rocks? There can't be more than a couple of them. So if the big rock is going to be around, let's say, math results in your school, then there's going to be some time dedicated to talking about that at every meeting. We have to make sure that we are staying focused on it. And it means that if we are going to establish that, then we have to create a sense of urgency around it. Why is this our big rock? What is it that we're going to be looking at? We're going to be looking at our data in a particular way to support our students because we've noticed that X. 
And that means that we're going to now say, this is our priority. It's such a big priority, in fact, that we're going to let perhaps some of the other things go that we ordinarily would have spent a lot of time discussing. And rather than spending a lot of time discussing those things, I'm going to send out as an administrator, I'm going to send out a survey, or I'm going to say, we're not doing that this year, or I'm going to say, you know what, let me take that on for you, or I'm going to strike a committee of just the interested people who are going to take care of that for us. Not everyone has to do everything all the time. So what is it important for the entire staff to do all together? And how do we stay laser focused on that? And then once we determine what that is going to look like, the meetings are structured to be like that. The conversations that we have are structured around those big rocks. My instructional walkthroughs as an administrator are laser focused on that big rock. So we're not doing everything all the time. And that's how we, we, we ultimately, we only so much will fit on the plate. So what are some of the things that while they're important, they don't need to have that same degree of laser focus. And I think creating that sense of urgency uh, to say, yes, this is going to be the biggest thing, giving permission to let some things go. Maybe we didn't need that particular activity or that particular field trip or that particular whatever it is. Do we have to spend, I guess, as much time talking as a whole staff about meet the teacher night or might there be a committee that talks about that? So freeing up some people so that everyone can spend more time uh, really focusing on whatever the thing is that you've determined matters most. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to hear from a principal. You're the first principal on our show this season. Great. I'm glad to be here. Today we'll be talking about how you talk about assessment with your staff and, and some structures you've you've built this year at your, your site to have those, those conversations. Sounds good. So tell us a bit about yourself and your career so far. Well, my name is Nicole Tomlinson and I'm a principal at Ecole Bishop Savarin. And I, I've always taught in immersion. So I started as a teacher in the French immersion program. Uh, from there, I had wonderful opportunities with ECSD, I have to say. There's a lot of leadership opportunities. I was a learning coach for several years, then assistant principal, and now just I'm about a year and a half into uh, my principalship. And so I feel like I've had a lot of opportunities to be able to develop a leadership skills and to understand uh, the systems and school communities. So yeah, this is where I'm at now. And I'm really grateful for all the professional development, for the opportunities that I've had to, to lead me to this point. I think it would be valuable for us to hear what's the demographic of your school? What's the makeup of Bishop Savarin for our listeners who don't know the, the site? Sure. So we, we're a French immersion school, but we also have an English program that's unfortunately being phased out. So we're going to be just um, a, a French immersion school. So we have uh, an English program from grade three to grade six this year. And we also have now kindergarten with full day programming to grade six in French immersion. So we're also really trying to build that French immersion community. So it, it's, um, we have about 360 students this year and uh, just elementary sites. Hearing about that demographic of having the English program and the French program currently this year. Yes. Those, those are two, two different programs to, to balance in, in this plan for, for school growth. What are some considerations that you, you've had? 
Well, it's that, and it's it's really that alignment. So picking practices that everyone, because even in conversations with teachers, they, they had some collaboration time built in. And I heard comments like, it's it's good, it's great, but you know, it's not really for me. It doesn't really speak to my grade or my context or so like just picking something that across the board and and we've really explored this across the board so whether it's uh, looking at behavior routines or assessment or clarity practices mm -hmm. really support all that we do at all levels tell us a bit about the ways that you've come up with opportunities for your teachers to collaborate and learn together to improve their assessment practices well, I think that when I think back to kind of where how we even got to focus on assessment was really um, at being new into a school and into a role, it really provided me time to get to know the staff and what was going on in the school and really look at uh, teaching practices. And uh, I'm, I'm in a school with fantastic and devoted and passionate teachers, and uh, they all bring their skill set. And, and we looked at that and it's like, Wonder, wonderful start, but then we kind of looked at our, closer at our data and what we were collecting, and we saw that um, there was a lot of struggling students. And uh, when we looked closer at our practice, we saw that a lot of what we were doing wasn't quite in alignment. And so we really wanted to pick an area that we could all focus on together and create that common thread so that we were looking at things together. So it was it was building as opposed to our students restarting with new strategies, new teaching practices. So what were those areas where it was a really high effect rate? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to be as effective as possible and really um, target some areas that we were collectively working on. And so we, we started to look at assessment and how it speaks to all grade levels, it speaks to all subjects, um, it's, it's effective use of our time because we did have discussions too about urgency and agency. So the reality that we only have these students for 10 months and it's a very short time, how can we be as effective as possible, but also how can be, we be working together so that we're building year to year? And um, assessment aligned really nicely with that kind of thought in mind. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with obviously a school goal. And um, I wanted to be really transparent with our school goals that when we were together, this would be our focus. So our school, our school plan for continuous growth really is what we're working on. We know that time is always an issue and also the fact that there's a lot of different initiatives and a lot of wonderful practices out there. Um, and of course, we brought that to staff and if they wanted to pursue more learning in those areas, that would be great. But as a staff, during our staff time together, we'd be focusing on our, our, our growth plan as a school. You talked about making time for, mm -hmm. for teachers to engage in this uh, collaborative practice. What are some ways that you've, you've found that time? I know our schedules are overloaded in education these days. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Yes, yes. So so it is. It's, it's being intentional with your time. So um, every staff meeting, we take time to discuss assessment and our assessment practices. Um, and so we were doing a book study this year as one point. Uh, to make sure that we're developing our, our practice. Um, and what was really important at the beginning of the year was looking at it through the lens of creating those norms. So 
everyone, like it's, it's an even playing field. Mm -hmm. And uh, the work that Sandra Herbst and Ann Davies do with what counts and what matters, we looked at that through the lens of how are we an effective team and flushing that out together as a staff so that, you know, it was more seamless when it came to our discussions around the readings that we did. Mm -hmm. And we picked uh, the Clarity Playbook because um, it's the modules are nice and short. It's not a big commitment in terms of uh, just being prepared with the readings. And they have QR codes with some great videos to support uh, in our visual learners and, you know, just if they'd rather just see a video. So it gave a lot of options and it wasn't anything too heavy, but enough for us to dig in a little bit and have those discussions around uh, the readings that we're doing. So that was one way, but it, it has to be continual. So um, obviously I post a, a weekly memo and, and in that I usually put um, either some definitions, because even flushing it out, it's like, oh, you know, there's some teachers that don't have that, the definitions of assessment mm -hmm. of for learning, as learning. So bringing that into our, our weekly messages and also using the SharePoint, because that's such a fantastic resource. But again, it's time to find those. So those assessment bites, I kind of am strategic with those. And mm -hmm. if we're talking about something in a module, then I can align it with typically an assessment bite. And then that way they have another video and another support that way as well. It's wonderful to hear that all these pieces are coming together at your at your site. Yeah, slowly. It, it, and it's good. It, it, it provides really rich discussion and and that alignment, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. You spoke in your, your answer to building that common understanding mm -hmm. of the vocabulary we use in our pedagogical practice. Have you noticed any shifts or changes as you've been working with it? I have just because, um, you know, when we're talking assessment literacy and, and building and not assuming, I think, not assuming that, you know, all teachers have that experience or have had that exposure. So um, being really mindful of that and, and building that common language so that we're, we're talking about, you know, um, learning intentions or success criteria and everyone has a good idea of what that means and how to implement it. And it aligns so nicely with the work that's being done with new curriculum that it's it was a score because it was like, oh, we're, we're familiar with this. Mm -hmm. So um, I think what's also important to note is starting this work, it was, it was important for me to have different entry points because everyone's at a different part in their learning journey. Mm -hmm. And so when I was looking at that, it was providing different examples for staff because they're all at different places. So for example, we looked at our own professional growth plans and how we can collect triangulated evidence to provide um, to, to really show that narrative of growth. So when I review with, and I sit down with staff and we're talking about their their own growth plans, mm -hmm. they're able to provide evidence of their own learning and that narrative and that journey of growth. And more importantly, how it impacted their practice and then how it impacts student learning. So it's, it's finding those entry points. So some were well-versed in, I would say, assessment literacy. So how do we move forward with that? So providing examples of you know, the learning intentions, the different points of entry in the assessment or the clarity practice. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it's very interesting to see where it all went from there. Um, I was really glad that we didn't narrow because I was like, well, we need to narrow the scope so that we're all on the same page. But I think having more entry points for mm -hmm. staff really made a difference. And it was more learning for me, I think, than them because 
it, it is all about that and learning from and with each other. You're speaking to makes me think of agency. And I did a lot of reading in professional learning communities and what makes yeah. them successful. Mm -hmm. And you're building in that agency for teachers, that choice and that voice mm -hmm. so that they can take it where they need it in their practice. Yeah. And where they took it, it's just like there's so much to celebrate. And, and um, I'm always looking to like, I, you know, moving away from and I, I never want to use the word compliance or like, well, this is something we have to do, but it's building in that intrinsic mo motivation for teachers that they're successful. They see the results and then that passion and that excitement because they are bringing in and we have time to share out, like, where are you at with your assessment practice and and sharing uh, what they're seeing in their students and, and in their classrooms. So mm -hmm. time for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> So you've been talking a lot about teachers and admin and that relationship, mm -hmm. but we also have the teacher-student relationship and the parent relationship to the to the school or and those family relationships. How has this practice begun impacting students and families? Well, and I think when I, when I think of student voice, I always think of when I first went into classrooms, it's kind of like I always have at the forefront those three questions. So what are you learning? Why are you learning it? Tell me how you know you've learned it. And it was it it was interesting because students are very honest and mm -hmm. and the responses I got were, were like okay like again that kind of helped push our um, push us in the direction of assessment because students the purpose and and really the clarity was it wasn't lacking but it wasn't as intentional as I thought and um, it's very interesting the impact because when I think of LQS TQS um, relationship building is at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I find that the work in assessment really does support that more than I thought. So it was like when I look at the elements and the competencies of our our quality standard, I was looking more at the planning and uh, the instructional leadership and but really it it the impact on um, the relationship because it's common language and we're also looking at um, a French immersion program. Mm -hmm. So it's building um, that competency in an additional language for our students because it's it's that common language mm -hmm. and practice because they're 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 involved and they're they have to talk about their learning and make it visible. So it's providing those those experiences as well. So it, it really does help with uh, the student and teacher relationship and feedback is a whole other piece where it's like it's it's clear how to provide feedback uh, because it's based on that success criteria. So um, we're talking about parent community. That's something we're definitely working on. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a big shift, I think, from, you know, parents receiving a report card. So when we're looking at ongoing uh, ongoing reporting, uh, how does that look? And we're really we're we're dabbling a little bit in portfolios mm -hmm. um, and communicating it through our newsletters. Um, what I've started this year at our school is, and really trying to build that French immersion community is I offer like an informal uh, parent session mm -hmm. uh, every two or three months. So it's just Cafe Bishop Saverin. All parents are welcome. After you drop off your kids, you can come in and I'll have a topic and assessment would be one of those uh, coming up this and in May. And, and just so that we can have those conversations because mm -hmm. sometimes it's in conversation that I understand how better to support parents. Yeah. 
without that, it's I'm I'm assuming that it's like, oh, this is beneficial. And it's it's really great because the parents that do come really do offer some great insight on, you know, well, we're not really sure of this. How can we, you know, make it more clear to the parent community? So it's just providing those opportunities and it, this is a real journey for us mm -hmm. because we're, we're really trying to figure it out. And um, yeah, it's through that work together that I th uh, we'll find our way. <laughs> yeah. What? Are we still doing that? Mad minutes? Okay. There, there is an element of, of gaming and fun that can happen with something like that. I mean, we all like trivia tests and we watch uh, trivia games on television where there's 30 second countdown with the music and you have to come up with the right answer but sometimes if we're really focused on the concept attainment and understanding and ultimately mastery of a concept putting a time constraint or a time pressure on students isn't always the best way to unlock that learning or have them demonstrate what they know sometimes it's simply more time required when we think of um, the considerations that we give kids provincially for like a PAT or diploma exam, uh, we add extra time. Why? Simply to give students a reasonable amount of time to demonstrate what they know. Not all students are going to be able to demonstrate in one minute um, their conceptual understanding of, of, of a math concept or outcome. That might need a couple of minutes. That race that rush, it sometimes, as much as we like to believe, is it sharpens the saw, sharpens their ability and their skill, it does cause stress and anxiety. And maybe the students aren't feeling that they're able to demonstrate truly what they know. So they're not on top of their, their best game, so to speak. So although there are times and place to, to leverage um, a, a closer time frame for a task, let's consider using those sparingly. I don't know, what do you think? How does this this system that you've set up at Bishop Saverin support equity in our classrooms? I, I strongly feel that assessment practices really level the playing field. First of all, um, it 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 doesn't assume that we know what students know. So it's very it provides that clarity to to all students. And often I know when I was teaching, I use the symbol of a target. So we're, we're shooting for that target. Uh, here are our success criteria to help us to get to that target. Um, but when I think of inclusion, um, that straight and narrow does not exist. Mm -hmm. And so it's I, I've kind of reimagined that through the help of again, I was at a seminar and listened to a workshop with uh, Sandra Herbst and Ann Davies, and they refer to it as a golf course. So it's like you're shooting, you have, you definitely have your target still, but how you attain that target looks very different, mm -hmm. very different. And so sometimes you hook right and you're in the bush and, and you're a little bit lost and, and the teacher is there to kind of guide you back onto the fairway and or it's multiple shots, like it takes multiple shots to get to that target. Mm -hmm. um, I, I find that within that, if we provide success criteria, that's where we can really accommodate for students because it's gonna look different, uh, but we're still aiming for that same outcome, that same target. Mm -hmm. So providing those opportunities and looking at it like, it's, it's gonna look different for everyone. And um, even how we're flushing that out with students could look different mm -hmm. because like, if we're looking at that golf course again, some are in a golf cart and some are walking and some some need a coach beside them. Or So it's it's looking at it through all of those different opportunities for, 
for students, but also how are they showing us what they know? It can't be the same across the board. So um, providing those opportunities for students to make their thinking and their learning visible might look differently as we get to that target. Um, I also really like to embed, I think that this is a wonderful opportunity for us to be embedding Indigenous worldviews. Mm -hmm. And um, we started our year this year as teachers looking at, I uh, have some, um, and have been gifted some beautiful Indigenous art. And so it's of a, a seed, a sprout, and a tree. And it's like, how can we allow this to help us with our assessment practices? And it's looking at that as, all are equally as important, but where are you in your learning journey in relation to a seed, a sprout, and a tree? All have different roles and different, um, you know, different steps. But uh, so we started that as a staff and said, you know, as we're, we're, we looked at a concept and like assess yourself, assess yourself as uh, looking at, are you a seed? Are you at the beginning part? You're just figuring it out. Are you a sprout or as you're, are you a tree? But then allowing people to talk about that, like, why, why are you putting yourself here? And it was interesting because in conversation with staff, um, they, they were like, wait a second, like, just based on what other people are saying, I think I'm more of a sprout. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, how are you going to move towards a tree? How are you going to continue to grow? So it's embedding also that Indigenous piece where we're having those really rich conversations and, and allowing, yeah, allowing time for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing multiple entry points again. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. And talking about that and, and being okay with where you are at. Um, it's, you know, it stems back to that growth mindset too and how beautiful it is to have a seed, a sprout and a tree to really highlight that growth mindset. He talks about this idea of bringing in the community and, and having those conversations. Mm -hmm. So your, your, your idea of having that cafe where parents are all welcome to come in and have that conversation with you is really, it sounds like it's breaking down some, some barriers or some walls. It is. And you know what, like what's really important about that piece is um, that it's a safe space. Mm -hmm. It's not um, like an interview. It's, it's very informal. And I find what's interesting about that is there's some parents that come in that are just there to listen and to, but as parents talk, it's like, Oh yeah, like that, that's difficult for us or that. And the feedback I'm getting shows me that it is a safe space because they're willing to, to share out and, mm -hmm. and let me know that, you know what, this is, this is a barrier for us because of either language or access to technology, whatever it is. But mm -hmm. it's like those great conversations to help us to kind of diminish the barriers that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for parents who can't come to those those events, that it just doesn't work in their timetables, what other ways do you have to, to gain feedback from them? Uh, that's that's something we have to explore because you're right like it is even that is a barrier because it's in the morning uh, not all parents can attend um, we, we try to communicate to our parents through council through other meetings so that we have you know our council meetings at evening so that's another time uh, that parents can join in and be part of the conversation but just trying to be present and visible in the community. So I'm outside and it's amazing um, in the morning how parents will, that's when they can approach or that's mm -hmm. when, and, and it's creating that, that welcome, caring environment yeah. where it's like, if you have concerns, 
please call like or if you're wondering about something or if you're not sure because so often that's where it gets lost because you know they they don't reach out so um yeah it's just creating those opportunities and letting parents know that the door is open so please come in to have these conversations yeah, yeah. i'm hearing that that flexibility and that that uh just natural flow for, for gaining feedback and talking with parents. I, I want to circle back to students because you, you talked about in your response to how um, this work in success criteria and learning intentions and teacher clarity is impacting students. Um, in what ways are you gaining feedback from students? So it's interesting because just recently I had a teacher come to me and uh, she's working a lot with success criteria. And she's at the point now where she, if she doesn't provide it, the students are now asking for it because mm -hmm. they're like, where do you want us to go with this? And so it shows really the impact how students uh, value that, that piece of it for her. And um, just looking back at how teachers have taken this and what they've done and how they've, they've been exploring it. Uh, is very interesting. So even in their planning, so some some teachers are just looking at at planning mm -hmm. intentionally for assessment, and and in that, then the students are more. Um, it just becomes more of the routine, so that they're more familiar and they're more able to answer those questions of, you know, what are you learning? Why are mm -hmm. you learning it? And and how do you know you've learned that? And it's just it's it's become more of. Um, just part of our routine and students now when i'm even when i'm working with students if there's some issues or some whatever it is it's like or if i'm in a classroom it's like well i'm done well i need more than that then i'm just done how do you know you're done and um so i think that students are more comfortable mm -hmm. and able to speak to their 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 learning is more visible in terms of they're able to speak to their learning and provide evidence of their learning and and proof that yes I, I know I've learned this because here is clear evidence whether it's annotated or they're talking to it so yeah yeah this all comes to head a demonstration of learning how, how does that look at Bishop Sabrin and that that's something that I think that's something that we're moving towards I think it's 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 more clearly demonstrated in the teachers that are taking on portfolio work. Um, the demonstration of learning definitely would speak to that evidence so that the students are able to speak to their learning. So I, um, I think it's, yeah, demonstration of learning is definitely taking that shift where it's not just showing the work, it's really providing clear evidence of how and why they've learned what they've learned. Yeah. For our listeners who don't know what, what I mean by demonstration of learning, it's our parent-teacher conferences. Yeah. So it's really led by the students. And so this year we did conferences at the beginning of the year. And then in the spring we did demonstration of learning. And again, just letting the students speak more clearly and confidently about what they're learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And provide clear evidence to their parents of what they're learning. And that's what I'm seeing more in the portfolios as well. Yeah. yeah. Initiatives like this aren't without their challenges. Uh, what are some challenges you faced this year and, and what advice would you give others to, to overcome those challenges? Well, we've already spoken of time, so I find that sometimes time is a challenge, but there is always time, right? You always can, if you have a priority, you can always find the time for that. Um, I think it's also um, being aware of the momentum. 
So if you're if you're working together towards a common initiative or goal, um, it's it's being aware that there's going to be dips in that or plateaus, mm -hmm. and so that I noticed that um, just in the responses in um, kind of what I was receiving from teachers that it, it had kind of flattened out. And so I reached out to our um, assessment consultant, Allison, and in discussion with her, it was like, we need to, we need to back up and we need to go back to purpose. So why are we doing this? And we did some process work with teachers to really flush out why is this important and how does it benefit not just our practice, but student learning. And we've made that visible in our learning space so that we can go back to that. Like there is a definite purpose to this. Um, so I, I would say it's the challenge is, you know, you can get either derailed or mm -hmm. it can kind of fall flat and you just keep moving on type of thing. It's really keeping it a priority and maintaining that and and making sure that you're listening to what people are saying to be able to navigate those those dips or those problems. There's not just one way to do it and, and no. that responsive <laughs> that responsive leadership is really what makes it successful. It is. And you don't know unless you're listening. Like if I was just up just, you know, doing my thing, then that's different. But it's in really taking the time to listen and asking questions that would allow teachers to provide that feedback too mm -hmm. of where they're at. Mm-hmm. So we're coming to the end of the episode. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we we head to our last question? I just I I think I'd like to share that it's just there's just so much to celebrate, um, and I think that sometimes we get bogged down with the weight of what we do, mm -hmm. and uh, I think shifting the focus to celebration and to see like um, that when teachers are making even subtle changes in their practices and uh, it's sparking that intrinsic mo motivation that it's it's really something to celebrate and to yeah and to take time to do that as well and and to have them share out with staff because that's where the learning happens it's like oh i didn't know that it could be done this way and mm -hmm. and it, it it again it's been more of a learning for myself and um, just seeing where teachers have taken it and it's like it's, it's a lot of fun <laughs> and that's what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Keeping it positive, keeping it celebratory and, and validating all the good work that we do in schools. Yes, absolutely. So our last question, I ask it to everyone so you can answer it how you wish is what's a dream you have for education? That's a good question, but also it's like, you know, I have to pick one. And yeah. so I, I would say like, I, you know, ultimately we want our students to be engaged in their learning. And um, when I see that and them excited and confident and capable, um, that's that's my dream is that uh, through these practices, we're empowering our students to take ownership of their learning and to know, you know, what steps to take next and um, to have them have that purpose and that drive. So that would be, I think, one of my one of my dreams for education. Yeah, it's a bit it's a loaded question. It's it is a loaded question, but it's also like it's important to keep those those dreams in mind because we want to have that vision of moving forward and and working towards those dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being on, Nicole, and uh, we'll link uh, 
the the textbook that you guys have been using for your your book study it's the teacher clarity playbook so we'll have that in the the description for the episode perfect thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure Well, this concludes our episode for today. Remember that this is part one of a two-part episode. And if you liked what you heard today, part two is available for your listening enjoyment now. In part two, you will hear from a teacher at Bishop Severn School. Her name is Maria Greshek. She teaches grade six. And in her interview, she shares her thinking, her thought process, and some practical tips and tricks for engaging in teacher clarity. Thank you to Nicole Tomlinson for showcasing the principal principal perspective and how she is leading this initiative at her site. Thank you again to Nicole Lafreniere and Tim Cusacks for their insightful segments that help us improve our practices in our schools at Edmonton Catholic. And last but not least, thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for your time and your dedication in following us on the learning curve. Please like and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with each episode release. We release episodes bi-weekly, and over the summer months, we will continue to release them. Well, that's it for today. See you next time on The Learning Curve.